Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we'll see you there. People really don't understand that because they're like, you should be happy now. It's not a binary of like, oh, you're happy or sad. I hurt no one else by doing IVF. Percy's so amazing that I want another one of him because he is so cool. Hello and welcome back to Should I Delete That? I'm Alex Light. And I'm Em Clarkson. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I need to talk about my awkward. Oh God, yeah, go. Because it happened last night. <laughs> and I actually don't know if I should tell it because it's disgusting. I'm actually like ashamed of myself. It's really disgusting, right? What did you do? What did I do? What did I do? I went, so I... I sleep in a really long t-shirt, big long t-shirt. That's why I sleep in. No pants, just, well, knickers, but like a really long t-shirt. No, you sleep in knickers? Yeah, I sleep in knickers, yeah. Oh. No bra, obviously, but feel funny without the knickers. See, at the moment, I'm having to sleep with a bra and no knickers because of breastfeeding. Anyway, which is really the wrong way around. It is, isn't it? That is the yeah. re- that, that feels like the wrong way around. Yeah, it's like work on top, party on the bottom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, so I went for my last wee of the night. Okay. And I weed and then I was like, something doesn't feel right. And I had pissed all over my t-shirt. I my t-shirt is so long that it is. I hadn't realised I was tired. I think I was. I had gone to sleep a little bit, and my t-shirt had been dangling, and I pissed on my my t-shirt. How disgusting is that? Oh my god. I thought you were going to say you'd forgotten to take your knickers off, but that's arguably worse. You're a little piss trail behind you, little saggy flap. On my t-shirt. Pissed on my t-shirt. I was like, "What have I just done? That is so disgusting." Oh no! Did you have to? How did you get it off your head as well? Did did we go up your back? Got to pull it up. What? I know. I just slept in it. No, just kidding. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> That's what's in the no. washing machine now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My shame. No, I had to like maneuver, like maneuver myself out of it. Very ashamed. Very, very ashamed. Very anyway, ashamed. That was my thirty-four years just, old. I know. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. <laughs> you got an awkward Love it. for me um poor you mine by comparison is not that bad mine is arguably a bad but i seem to have been quite a good citizen this week um so like teeny awkward not really awkward mostly just bad i went to my goddaughter's second birthday in reading this weekend got back yes. to london like literally was pulling onto my street and my friend rang and she went hi yeah it's like hi yeah she's like have you forgotten anything i was like have i Yes, yeah, yeah, I left my bag there. Oh Whole my bag. god, your entire Whole handbag. <laughs> Keys, wallet, shit for Arlo, everything. Headphone. Uh, well, I took Alex's headphones as well. <laughs> Alex's headphones oh, were in the bag. No. Oh. Um, yeah, just everything. Well, that'll teach him. That'll serve him right for not using his Did anymore. you not feel a bit naked? I was carrying the baby, so no, I never. 
No, because I always leave the house just with AirPods and my phone, like literally, I, and my keys. That's it. I never take anything. Like I never take a bag. I never feel the need to. Right. I see. Okay. Do you know what my sister's like? This she doesn't carry a bag, like at all. She just puts her keys, her like a card, and her phone in her pockets. Like she just puts them in her pockets, and they just like, like a swim, man. swim unattended. And it's like one of the biggest bones of contention because inevitably at some point in the day she's like oh I need to charge my phone so I give her my phone charger which is in my bag because I carry a bag and then she's like oh I need some paracetamol here's some paracetamol from my bag oh I need a blister plaster here's a blister plaster from my bag and I'm like Jen just carry a bag a little bag it's no harm anyway I bought Alex a bag for his birthday for this exact reason he has a man bag now yeah I, I just I just I couldn't be without a bag because he's like oh can you put this in your bag and he gives me this huge stack of stuff like phone wallet glasses keys airpods like, can you put this in your bag it's like, yeah yeah Dave this does that. in implies that you're giving me a postcard but yeah no anyway anything good or awkward anything good or bad good or bad yes bad yesterday I went into the bathroom turned on the shower turned away to get my towel turned back and realized that there was a huge spider in the bath (laughs) and the water that I'd put on had trapped it right yeah yeah trapped it and like got it and got it wet and I was like, I had this just moment of looking at it and being like, oh my God, I'm watching this thing die. I don't want to watch it die, but I'm also too scared to touch it and like take it out of the water. Anyway, I turned the water off, but the thing was clearly dead, right? Oh, clearly dead. Murderer. I know, I know. And it, it, honestly, it haunted me all day. The sight of this spider struggling and dying, like it was really horrible. I felt, I felt horrendous all day. I felt like, I felt like a killer. I felt like a murderer and I had to, I had to shower at the sink because I didn't want to put the water back on. Just any, anyway, anyway, awful. Anyway, I, it haunted me all day. Like I had to talk to my mom about it and she was like, I think it'd be fine. Anyway, I get home and I go in the bathroom and this spider in its full glory is standing on the wall. Standing? Do they stand? L- lying? Yeah. Uh, Standing on the wall, all eight legs, totally intact, full glory. I was like, I've mourned you all day. You know, you've got the Jesus spider. I know. Yeah. But it was, I swear to you. That's exactly what happened to the killers of Jesus. And then it was like, I'm back. I know. I know. It was sad. It was sad. And for like, I thought you were going to come back and say there was like a spider vicar at the end of the bath and then like a whole (laughs) load of spiders wearing black all singing (laughs) sad songs. Stop the clocks. Stop the dog from barking with a juicy bone. (laughs) Bring out the coffin. Let the mourners come. That would have been equally as crazy to me. Honestly, I was stunned <laughs> to see this back to life creature. So, yeah. Fine. In that case, my bad, Al. Not such a happy ending. I was at my mum's house. I stepped out the front door and I just heard like a, like a, like a, and I looked down and I trodden on the snail. Oh, and it was no. very much dead. Oh no. And then I had to Google and my search history for like, I don't know, about two days afterwards was like, can snails feel pain? What research is there to say that they can't? Like, if you stand on a snail, does it die instantly? Can they feel pain? There is some research, which I am debunking, but unfortunately, I don't want to believe it. But there is some research to say that, yes, they do feel pain. But 
Oh. If you step on their shell, it does kill them instantly. So I'm really hoping that he just didn't know it was coming. Oh. But I've really made up for it, Al, because as you know, it's been a very rainy week. You must have been delighted. Yeah. And obviously that means snails come out everywhere. And I have, I've been really trying to placate my okay. guilt. And every time I've seen a snail, I've like ushered them off the pavement and out of harm's way. Oh, well way. done. Okay. It, I don't think it's helped. Yeah. It, I still feel rotten with yeah, guilt. You probably like, should. Honestly, if I close my eyes, I can still feel the crunch. And I think I probably will until oh I God, die. The crunch. Oh my God. Like, I've, you know, I've never killed an animal on purpose. Well, good. It's, it's, not, my, it's not my vibe. No, but I've never killed a fly or a spider. No. no. Or a wasp. Good. You know, all God's creatures. But Katya's boyfriend is here. My sister's got a new boyfriend. If anyone's at the live show, you might remember he came to that. The third time I met him was last night. He's at my mum's house. We're all here. Out of fucking nowhere, he was just sitting there. And with his bare hands between his forefinger and his thumb, yeah. he caught a fly. <laughs> okay, that's really weird. <laughs> just caught it and then just took it outside and let it fly away. That's really weird. You can't catch flies. <laughs> he said he does it all the time. That's really like, weird. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm going to sit next to him at, at dinners more often because I, I, nothing gives me the ache more than a fly hovering around me. What's a superhero has the really long lizard tongue and like catches insects? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. It's like him. Just with his fingers. Oh my God, that's really Weird. creepy. But I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> good, good. My good is that I've been feeling really stuck in a content rut. Like just stuck and really not knowing what to do and feeling like, ugh, all the content I make, I'm not proud of it. Like I'm not, I'm not feeling like it's not helping anyone. I'm not enjoying it. And then yesterday I made one, it was a special K reel. Saw it, loved it. I, it was, I, I just, I, I, it felt really good. I felt like I got my journalist hat back on and I really got stuck into it and I was like really pleased with it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm out of my rut, but it felt good. So that's my good. Good for you. Proud of you. I loved it. Thanks. What's yours? Two good. Um, one, I ran Ooh. five miles yesterday. Well done. Yup. Because um, I'm running Royal Parks half marathon, so I'm getting my training back in and I'm really proud of myself and that's going really well. So woo, go me. Second one is I went for dinner and a woman walked in and was really friendly with Bua and she sat down next to us and um, she's having dinner on her own, which I always think is iconic, but it was her birthday and we found out from the waitresses because she told the waitresses it was her birthday and then we got this like oh you can't be on your own for your birthday so then we ended up having dinner with her and she was really nice <laughs> oh, I love that um, so yeah that was just really nice that's so nice yeah, yeah she was lush anyway um, so new friends did you get her number are you friends now no but I know she works with the council so I feel like that's going to be a useful friend to have <laughs> okay I was going to say I know she was council so I'm going to somehow hunt her down oh no <laughs> Um, no, I just, you know, you know what it was, it actually, it just felt like one of those things that was just like, we just came into each other's lives tonight for this reason. Yeah, I like that. Like, you didn't want to be on your own for your birthday and we didn't want you to be on your own for your birthday and she, you know, Arlo was there and Boo was there and she was just stroking Boo and giving us some of her food and just chatting with us about her life and I don't feel like it was meant to go anywhere else, I just feel like it was just meant to be that, you know what I mean? It's a really nice night. I like that, I love that. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah, okay, that. excellent. Okay. So our interview this week is with Sophie Martin, who is known on Instagram as the infertile midwife. Um, she came on to tell her story, which was a really moving story, but we do have to give a trigger warning. We talked a lot about fertility and IVF and also baby loss um, for anyone for anyone who might be feeling fragile right now. But we really hope you enjoy the interview. Here's Sophie. <laughs> 
Sophie. Hi. Thank you so much for coming in today and chatting to us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, we are excited to interview you and delve into your story. Um, you are known as the infertile midwife on Instagram. And that's the title of your book that's going to be out in August, which is super exciting. Congratulations. Um, can you tell us how Infertile Midwife came to be, if you don't mind taking us through your your story? Sure. So I'm a midwife, as you mentioned, and I was just happily midwifing along, um, got married to my husband and we thought, oh, let's try and have a baby like most normal people do and quite quickly I realised that it was not happening for us and I kind of just knew that things were not going to happen for us Um, and so I tried tried to be cool and that is not in my nature I tried to be very chilled about it Um, and so kind of went my down like an internet rabbit hole of like things you can do to try and improve your fertility or what kind of tips or tricks could I do to try and improve conception I pretty much tried everything you could ever think of still didn't get pregnant and eventually it transpired that we were going to need IVF and along the way I just kind of realised well I felt like I was the only person that was infertile I didn't know anyone else that had been through infertility treatment and none of my colleagues had been through infertility no one had no one you know confessed to having had IVF and so I felt like the only person especially because I was quite young at the time I was in my 20s I was like why am I not getting pregnant and I'm young why is this not happening for me Um, and so I felt like yeah the only infertile person in the world at that time Um, and I was just scrolling through Instagram one day and I typed in the hashtag I think it was infertility and all of a sudden I realized that there's this huge community on Instagram of other people mostly women going through infertility and, and fertility treatment And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to be part of this. And a lot of accounts at the time were anonymous. So people would have kind of like usernames, you know, it'd be like TTC, which is like trying to conceive or like IVF babe, you know, like loads of different um, handles. And I wanted my account to be anonymous to start with because I just was like, I just need to speak to other people. Um, And I really felt that when you're going through infertility and you're a midwife, it is so hard because you're faced every day by the one thing that you can't get. Um, And so that was kind of what inspired the handle. I wonder with with midwifery, were you a baby person? Was it like you you were called to, or was it just that element of science that interested you? So as as a teenager, I loved babies. Like I I still love babies. Um, But definitely being a midwife, you're a very small amount of the time you actually spend with babies you spend most of your time with women and that was the main draw for me is to be with women and that said I do love all of it the science the babies the women everything it it is a great job how did were there times where you just thought I can't when you're going through your own IVF do your do your job yeah, so I thought, I kind of bargained with myself that if I was never going to be a mum, then I would have to give up being a midwife because I I thought I, I can't keep yeah. putting myself through it. And at the time, obviously it's your job, so that's what pays my bills. That was what was paying for my IVF. I couldn't just throw yeah. in the towel. Yeah. What else was I going to do? Um, and I also felt quite resentful the fact that IVF had taken so much away from my life. I felt it impacted like loads of my relationships um, and this was one thing that I really didn't want it to take away from me was my job. Okay. Yeah. It must have felt as well, like you're doing all this IVF, it's so much money, it's so much time, it's so much emotion and and draining. And then to see pregnant women day in, day out, and and possibly, you know, probably a lot of women who didn't really 
you know, who didn't have to do IVF and it happened fairly easily for them. That must have been really difficult. Yes, it was. But at the same time, when you go to do your job every day, you've mm. got that hat on. So that yeah. was my job was to be Sophie the midwife and yeah. to make sure that everyone got the best care that I could give them. Yeah. And it wasn't really an option to not provide that because I, I want to be the best midwife possible. So I was just very like task orientated of okay. I must be the best midwife I can be for these people. And yeah. so then I, I wouldn't really, I would really try and shut that part of my brain off until I was at home. And then obviously at home, you kind of do let all those emotions come. And yeah, it is yeah. hard when you, you're, you're seeing other women who got pregnant really easily and yeah. you think, well, why hasn't that happened for me? Or I want that so much. Why can't that happen for me? Yeah. With your own journey, you said you ended up doing IVF. Can I ask the time frame between... Um, starting to try and then and then going into IVF. Yeah, so I'm very impatient and it was a year from when we started trying for a baby um, to us starting IVF. Obviously, that would not have yeah. happened on the NHS. We weren't eligible for N NHS funding, so that was probably why it was a lot quicker because once we realised we weren't going to um, yeah. waste time waiting on the NHS, we just went straight in there. Why, why, sorry, that could be a two-personal question, but I, I was going to ask why you weren't eligible for NHS. No, that's, that's fine. So it's postcode lottery anyway, depending yeah. on where you live. So different areas fund different um, numbers of cycles. Yeah. And where I was living at the time, I was living in South East London and um, there was funding for IVF. However, I have low AMH. Um, right. And so, so that's anti-malarian hormone. And so it, it was so low that I wasn't eligible for funding in my CCG, which is the clinical con commissioning group. So the area that I lived didn't fund people with very low AMH. Really? So wow. it was just a straight up no. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That is so crazy. That is so bad. So there's different stipulations in different postcodes yeah. for for a woman's criteria yeah I mean uh, uh, lots of different wow. criteria so some some CCGs won't fund people if you've got a child from a previous relationship I mean what? there's loads of different criteria that's so that's cruel isn't it that is really cruel yeah I mean it felt it felt like a kick in the teeth it was like you're yeah. so infertile that even we're not gonna fund you yeah oh my god yeah I'm not even gonna try yeah. because that's just because you I mean you've done rounds of IVF now you know that it, it you you were able to collect eggs you know, even if it wasn't a huge, you know, a, a huge amount, but that's so cruel that they won't even let you try. That just seems really, yeah. And it's and it's often those people who need it the most, right? The people with low AMH. I mean, it felt particularly brutal because I think I was like twenty seven or twenty eight at the time. Really? Yeah. So it was, um, and yeah, it just felt like. So a lot of CCGs will have criteria about if you're over 40 or they're like different age yeah. cutoffs. And I was like, but I'm 27 or however yeah. old I was at the time. And it felt really cruel. Yeah, it did feel cruel. Um, but also I work for the NHS. I understand the NHS is chronically underfunded. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, there was no arguing. No one was going to turn around and say, okay, go on then. So, yeah. you know, that was it. It was just a firm no. So I had to move on and... And unfortunately, pay for it ourselves. Does that manifest as anger or disappointment? Oh gosh! I mean, across the whole kind of journey, I'd say I've felt all of those emotions yeah. a million times over. Yeah. Can we ask then what? So you started IVF, um, and then like how how did it go from there? So our first round of IVF, and bearing in mind that I think people think that midwives know quite a lot about IVF, and we don't. We really don't. Um, and mm. so. I was really unprepared as to what it really entailed. Um, so my first round of IVF is kind of a mixed bag. So as predicted with someone with a low AMH, I responded really poorly to the medication. And at one point I was only growing one follicle 
which if you don't know, that's terrible. Um, and I thought they were going to cancel the cycle and I thought, oh my God, that's why they don't fund people with low yeah. AMH because I'm so bad at IVF. That's what it felt like. Um, and then some miracle happened and I managed to get seven eggs. I, I know it was... I, what? I know. And one follicle? No, no. Oh, so a few more follicles just all popped out of nowhere. Wow. It was actually and I, I write this story in the book as well, but I went to a home birth the night before and then was awake all night and then I had to go for my scan at eight o'clock in the morning. So I turned up to my scan, obviously like unwashed, having been at a home birth yeah. and I had this internal scan and they were like, oh my God, there's more follicles. And it was like, they just popped wow. up overnight. And I'm sure it was something, because the home birth was so special and it, I feel like it was some sort of magical oxytocin, yeah. I don't know, that had made these follicles pop out of nowhere. Aww. So that was really amazing. And then, so we went for our first egg collection, which I loved. Um, anyone who's had an egg collection or if you're scared of having an egg collection don't be because the sedation is incredible <laughs> oh my god like so good very very small kind of silver lining of having to go through something yeah. so crap and yeah we managed to get seven eggs and then four eggs fertilized and and then on day five we had one embryo left right and um, and so that was transferred back and very fortunately I did fall pregnant um, and it turned out that that embryo split and I was having identical twins. So it was kind of a real roller coaster from thinking it was going to be cancelled to then finally being told yeah. I was having identical twins. Yeah. yeah, it was mad. Oh my gosh. Are you comfortable talking about what yeah. happened next? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I share it so openly because... Yeah. Even though it is fairly rare, actually, we all know someone that's gone through baby loss. So, yeah. spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, so yeah. it affects so many people. And actually, having gone through all of this and been so open about it, all of a sudden people like pop out of the woodwork of like, oh, I had to do this, or I went through infertility, or I had yeah. Clomid, or, you know, and actually you realize that everyone knows someone that has gone through it, but just no one talks about it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely brutal. I can't even, that must have been so just incredibly painful. Yeah, so um, I obviously found out I was pregnant with identical twins. It was, yeah. That was amazing. It was one of those moments, you know, like on the TV and you see and they turn the screen around and there's two babies. And yeah. you're like, oh my God, how yeah. has this happened to me? Um, and then fast forward 21 weeks um, and I went into spontaneous labour just out of the blue. Um, and then suddenly my twins were born obviously very early and they uh, couldn't resuscitate them. It's too early before viability. So then obviously they very sadly died. Um, yeah, and it felt just atrocious I felt I like I'd gone through so much to get them I was so yeah. anxious that something was going to go wrong and then it did um mm. which it, it was just heartbreaking there's not really the words to describe that that feeling of having to say goodbye to, to your children that you love oh my god I'm I so can't sorry. even I can't even fathom yeah I'm so sorry that's just it's something that nobody should ever ever have to go through they were twin boys. Yeah, twin yeah. twin boys. We didn't know what we were having. We, we were like excited for the surprise. Obviously, we knew they were identical, so it was going to be two of something. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really lovely, mm. finding out that they were boys. And yeah, they were just so wanted and so special. And I think that was possibly one of the hardest parts is that yeah. I felt like that was our only chance gone because that was our only embryo at yeah. the time. Although, actually, the next day we did find that another embryo from our trust, going back to the transfer, a second embryo was frozen, but it wasn't ready until the next day. So we did have another embryo, okay. but day six embryos weren't sure how good quality it was. So it literally right. felt like that was our one chance. That yeah. was like all our savings gone. That yeah. was, and it wasn't even about the money. It was just the, just the unfairness of it or yeah. just, you know, 
it just seemed it so seemed so wasteful, like yeah. two tiny people just gone. Yeah. yeah. And was there any medical reason that was it, was it connected to your struggles with fertility that that you lost them, or it was just some something unconnected and like so unfair? So it was not related to um, the infertility. I, it turned out that I had the delightfully named incompetent cervix, um, which is Who where named that. <laughs> Well, what a horrible name. Lots of people find that name quite upsetting, but I actually kind of find it almost a bit funny because, and I feel like that's a bit of dark humour, but it was pretty incompetent, right? It did not do the job (laughs) it needed to do. So I think, I I don't mind that name, but I can understand why people would be upset about that. Um, But yeah. It does just feel like a really shit name. Such a blow. It it, it does explain what happened. Um, So essentially my cervix was not able to kind of stay closed and keep them in. And so I went into very early labour with them. Um, But since then, I've had that cervix shown up, sewn up, sorry. So that that is a, you know... God, they can sew up a cervix. Yeah, so, well, there's lots of different sutures that you can have, but I had quite an invasive one, um, which is called a transabdominal cerclage. <sighs> and so it's like a um, abdominal operation. So, yeah. like, they cut you where they would do the cesarean. This is post having the twins. <sighs> um, and, yeah, they sew it up, not completely, otherwise you'd never be able to have a period, but they sew it kind of almost entirely shut. Really? Um, and that stitch stays in there forever. Which So if you were to have a baby... Afterwards, cesarean, cesarean. Because okay. yeah, that's been yeah, that's not. Open. So yeah, that oh, that, see, that yeah. is a that nothing no is, go zone. Yeah, is that that's a no go zone. So okay, yeah, it's like a dam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's yeah. nothing is going in or out of there. Wow. Okay. God. Okay. So that was what year was that when you lost your babies? Uh, I had them in 2019 in April. I had the stitch uh, in the October of that year. It does feel like you were like the speed that this happened was all quite like quick. I suppose for the. Because it's between then and now, because uh, you've had, you've had your little, you've had a little boy. I have, now. yes, yes. What was the next steps to getting your little boy? So after I had the twins, I had unfortunately a piece of retained placenta for nearly three months, and I was fuming. Because, well, obviously I was fuming for many reasons, but it meant that I couldn't do any more IVF. And that seems so bizarre because I was so devastated that the twins had yeah. died, but then just desperately wanted another baby. Yeah. And so I felt like I just waited, wasted three months of my life, just sat there with this bit of placenta inside me. Ugh. And so once that had been removed, which I had to have uh, surgery, that didn't work. I was due for another surgery. Thankfully, this bit came out. And um, went back to my IVF clinic, was like, let's start IVF now. Yeah. Um, we did a few tests, realised my cervix was too short, had to go on the waiting list for the um, cerclage, had that done, decided we wanted, oh no, we did a terrible round of IVF. That went terribly wrong. Went back to our original clinic. We had a round where I only had one follicle. They, I feel, really mismanaged the cycle. They advised me to go for an egg collection with this follicle, which was never going to be mature. And so I, my one egg that I got didn't fertilise. <sighs> so I was very upset about that. And um, then we were like, right, let's change clinic. Went on this huge kind of, journey to try and find another clinic, went abroad, went to the UK, found our clinic, started taking medication to start IVF, COVID happened. Oh. All the IVF clinics shut. Um, so we had to wait for a few months. And then following that, I did something like five rounds of IVF back to back without a break, just, wow. or, you know, one after another. Um, Is that collection and 
transfer? So I did something called embryo banking where you just okay. do collections because right. I knew that my AMH had dropped really low by this point. It was one. Um, right. And so I wanted to just try and get as many embryos as I could. So I yeah. did f- f- four egg collections, ended up in total with five embryos to freeze. Okay. And then I did a fresh round at the very, f- a fresh transfer at the end of the last egg collection that failed. Then I did a frozen transfer and I fell pregnant and I had my son after that. Wow, and when was okay. that? He was born, oh gosh, now I'm going to get this wrong, 2021 he was born. Okay. okay. Yeah, he's going to be two. So that was, oh how many God. rounds did it take to get him? Seven. Seven rounds, yeah. wow. Can I ask if it's not too, um, like, crass a question, how you were able to fund it? Or? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think I absolutely have no idea how we did that. The first round we had some savings and... My first clinic was actually very expensive and so we spent the whole lot on that first round. Um, And then after that, every time my husband got a bonus, we would save that money and spend it on IVF. And then along the way, we moved house and we borrowed extra on our mortgage so that we could pay for more IVF. Um, And essentially... Because I've now now done 11 rounds of IVF um, and, yeah, it's just a combination of working really hard, saving really hard. Um, actually, the round, the frozen round that ha- ha- um, resulted in my son, we, my my mum paid for. Um, but yeah, so we've essentially just spent, we, we spent all of our money on, on IVF. So every time my husband got a bonus, that would be what we spent it on. Wow. God, that's a lot. It was a lot of money, yeah. When yeah. I think like, oh, I could have a nice kitchen or some nice holidays. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bit frustrating, but, you know, my son yeah. is definitely worth every penny. Yeah, and wonderful that you it was in a, like a weird gift from your mum that yes. it was that round that yeah. worked, yeah. which is lovely. Mum, if you're listening, I'd definitely like to have another baby soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please. It, was, it must have been obviously amazing falling pregnant with your son, but was it anxiety-inducing, the the pregnancy itself because of what you've been through? Yeah, I would say being pregnant is one of the hardest things that I've ever had to go through. Really? Both times. But the second time was particularly excruciating. Yeah. Um, just because every second of the entire pregnancy, I thought he was going to die. Um, and if and it wasn't just I was thinking I was going to go into labour because obviously my cervix was so shut. So that was unlikely. But just every scenario, yeah. I was like, something is going to go wrong at some point and he's going to die. Yeah. And that lasted the entire pregnancy including the day that I went into hospital to have him. Yeah. Do you think maybe being a midwife, you know, you knew more of what could go wrong, fuels yeah, and anxiety? Point. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, no one could tell me that it was really unlikely to happen because... You've seen well, it. Yeah, I've, I've seen it happen and yeah. something really unlikely has already happened to me. In fact, loads of really unlikely things have already happened yeah. and I know exactly the worst case scenarios that could happen because I've seen them so many times. Oh yeah. man, yeah, so ignorance would have been bliss there. Yes. Oh, if someone could have just put me yeah. under a general anaesthetic for nine months, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sign me up. <laughs> but you had a wonderful little boy, congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's so Were there lovely. any moments of elation throughout the pregnancy? Was it all, I mean... Uh, Sorry, not obviously when you found out that must have been amazing. But I mean, throughout, do, did you get to feel the beautiful experience that you'd craved or was it all just really hard to uh, do? Yeah, it was mostly just extremely, extremely hard. I was mm. just so anxious that I wouldn't let myself really have any moments of like thinking it was all going to work out because I was yeah. so fearful that it wouldn't. So yeah, no, I, no, it wasn't. It was just hard the whole time. There was very few moments I would say when I was in a scan yeah 
I would be kind of reassured for probably about 10 minutes after yeah. it had finished. And then after that, I'd go back to being anxious. But I guess they were the moments that it felt better. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. Did you get any therapy? Did you get access to any therapy after, after your twins? No, essentially. There's such poor provision for, yeah. for bereavement services. Um, so... It also is a bit complicated if you don't live in the area that you give birth in and things like that. So right. after I had my twins, I yeah wasn't offered essentially anything. Um, and then when I was pregnant with my son, I was, what I can now see is very unwell mentally. Yeah, what, and yeah. still I was rejected from perinatal services three times. Oh, like there was gosh. literally almost, almost nothing on offer. Even as a midwife, you'd... That seems crazy because it feels like if anyone would know how to access it, it would be you and it's still not available to you. So that's just cruel. And it also really depends yeah, where you live and where mm. you where you having your baby. So when I had my son, um, I was working in London, living in, living in Essex. And so there's such disjointed provision as well. So it just all felt a bit of a mess. But essentially I had I had nothing um, and it was really hard. And it also was a massive toll on my family as well because they had to essentially just look after me the whole time. Yeah. By the time I was kind of in the mid of my second trimester and then going into the third trimester, I essentially couldn't be left unsupervised because I was so anxious. Yeah. And so someone had to ba- almost babysit me the whole mm. time and um, so I was so worried that I would need to go to hospital and there would be no one to take me. And my husband was working in London. And so my parents and my brother and my sister had to do like a roster of like who's going to be with Sophie today, which was amazing that they all stepped up, but obviously just took its toll on them as well. Were you able to work throughout your pregnancy? So I I actually worked up until the day before I went to have my son, um, but I was admitted to hospital for two weeks in the middle with threatened preterm labour, which was not what I wanted to happen. Um, Like a really similar gestation as well that I um, had my son's. So I was off work for a few weeks after that. And then because of COVID... Um, midwives you couldn't be patient facing in the third trimester so I really fortunately was working from home doing like an e-midwife role so I did work up until the day yeah the day before I had him I I found it really helpful for me at the time because I could just be at home where I felt Mm. relatively safe yeah yeah of course because that's that's an added thing is that you've got your anxieties completely justifiably about what you've been through to get pregnant what you've been through in the past and then yeah. you're doing it in a pandemic as well yeah that was that was definitely the first trimester when it was kind of fully COVID-y that was pretty rubbish yeah, but yeah. especially because I felt so um, like physically sick and you have to wear a mask and all the PPE you're like yeah. you feel disgusting you have to get on the train yeah that was pretty horrible yeah so you have your son now um it's Percy. Yeah, Percy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're continuing with IVF to give Percy a sibling. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, on round 11 now, just a glutton for punishment, me. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Sometimes I literally lose track of where I am. I'm like, how many have I done now? It, it, it really yeah. does blur into one. Um, not Obviously not successful so far. Um, but I feel really strongly that I want to give Percy a sibling and most 
normal people don't even have to think about that. Like, they just want a sibling, they'll go and have a sibling. Mm. But I really don't want him to be, like, the boy with two dead brothers. Um, mm. Because we're really open yeah. with him about, obviously, he's he's not quite two, but he, do, he does, like, point at the picture and say brothers. And... Um, but I just don't want that for him. I want him to have a living sibling as yeah, well. So yeah. I feel really committed that we are still on this journey to yeah. have another baby. Yeah. Have you had transfers since having Percy? Yeah, so I've done uh, four, well, I've done four rounds of IVF and the first transfer was failed and then I had two cycles back to back which were cancelled. That was annoying. Mm. One was cancelled because my lining wasn't thick enough. The other round was cancelled because I ovulated which again seems really annoying because oh. you'd think you'd want to ovulate but you do not want to ovulate if you're doing IVF. Um, and then the 11th round is ongoing so who knows. Wait, you ovulated during stimulation? Uh, it was a frozen. So I ovulated during oh, the, so the frozen transfer. Right, yeah. right, right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I know. It was bizarre. Yeah. I'm trying to get my head around that. Sorry. So so you had the collection and then, oh, you were just doing a frozen yeah, transfer. Yeah, just doing a frozen. Then, so because I did one, I did one that was failed, started the next one, which was cancelled because my lining wasn't thick enough. Yeah. Then I started another one straight away. And somehow, I think because I'd done three cycles in a row... My right. body was just doing its own weird thing and yeah. Yeah, ovulated along the way somewhere. You must be so sick of hormones. Yes, I mean, I'm. I feel like I'm just permanently on HRT. I, I mean, I'm. Yeah, it's just the norm now. I said to James, yeah. like, that's my husband. I, I literally like popping pills. Like, there's no tomorrow. Yeah. Like my my little boy Percy, because <laughs> I keep them on the table, and um, so I know to always take them with like breakfast and dinner. And he goes, "Mummy's vitamins," like every day. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like that's his impression of me is like just popping loads of pills every morning. <laughs> Can I ask about your husband and how it's been? Because it does sound like you have got like a one track mind when it comes to it, and like you say, like the control and stuff. Is he kind of like on it with you or like how's how does he respond to how has he responded to what you've been through? So my husband James is um really chilled. He's just so chilled, which is the perfect antidote. Um he's so supportive. We've always wanted to have a family together. And so when that didn't happen, he you know, we were very much like, okay, what are we gonna do to have our family? Um he really found it hard when our twins Cecil and Wilfred died. Um and still continues to find it hard sometimes as well. But he mostly, he, he wants another child too. And so he's right there with me. You know, he is really supportive. Um, definitely since we had Percy, I've only done Frozen or attempted to do Frozen transfer. So it's very little kind of actual effort on his part. Mm. Um, but he is, yeah, he's really, really supportive. But is he okay? Like, I feel like this is a conversation that women have much more openly now and like we're able to have much more openly and it and it it does feel and just like seeing the toll that it's taken on you Al and listening to your story and so many women's like it's such a physical ordeal as well as a mental one for for women but I do feel maybe that the conversation's um, opening in that regard but sometimes I don't know how the partners of the people going through IVF Oh, do you feel like he gets support or maybe he doesn't need it? I don't know. But My husband is actually quite an open person anyway, actually. I'd say he's probably more open than I am. So he is quite happy to chat through things with yeah. his friends. So, yeah, I think I'm quite lucky that he's that sort of man and, and not all men or, or not all people are like that, really. So I think that has been really good for him. Um, and we've got very close families as well. So, yeah, he's very open about that. I think in terms of bereavement support, 
there is not loads out there for men. It is definitely more aimed at women, although there are some great resources out there. Um, but I think overall, it it just is really dependent on the person, isn't it? Mm. Rather than, I think it's hard for the partner because it is so physical for the woman. You know, yeah. everything happens in the woman's body, even if actually in terms of fertility, if it's actually male infertility, the woman still has to go through the IVF. So it's so unfairly biased yeah. towards yeah. the woman that even if it was a male infertility problem, it's actually mm. still the for the woman. Like yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's just a really, un- it's very unequal and there's not really that much you can change about that because obviously yeah. IVF is in the woman's body. So it is, it, it is difficult for men. You know, like... I don't want to, yeah, not not to compare it anyway because we haven't been through half, a quarter of what you've been through. We've just, we've only done, you know, two egg collections. But I remember the second round and I didn't respond. My body didn't respond to the second round the way that it did with the first. Like we actually, it went pretty okay with the first and the second one. We had to, I like doubled the medication and did it, stimulation, I think lasted for three weeks. And I'd done estrogen priming before that as well. It was just a lot. And I was, I was definitely done by the end. I remember the morning of the egg collection waiting in the, in the waiting room and the receptionist asked my husband, like, how, how are you doing? And I remember feeling, I mean, this is probably irrational as well, but I remember feeling so furious that she was asking him. Maybe it was that estrogen. He was, yeah, yeah, probably. (laughs) I remember being like, what do you mean? How is he? You know, I'm like a pincushion at this point like I'm <laughs> bloated to hell I can't like my you know everything's yeah it's, everything's in chaos and I was like why are you asking him how he is but it's true that they do they do need some support as well and I think yeah, he's difficult to deal with the um, he had to deal with the, the roller coaster yeah. of me yeah <laughs> but I remember the time being like just furious like that's about probably me. why she was asking yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave's just sitting there looking scared while I'm just like fume coming out of my ears smoke coming out of my ears um, but yeah it's true that they do need support as well yeah do you have any recommendations on support that is available for I mean I, I'd, I'd like to talk about it for women as well but just while we're on it if there's anything that you'd recommend for any men going through either bereavement or IVF yeah do you know any? yes so for bereavement um SAN so the stillbirth and neonatal death charity they um do some male specific support um I think they they do their SANS FC like the SANS football club so uh, it's obviously for men who've lost a child or a baby um so that's pretty good um and actually SANS do do support sessions where um in person and so we did go to a few of those together as well and it was quite yeah. nice because it is couple is couple or it could be any anyone really but it's mainly couples so there were other yeah. men there and I don't think my husband would have gone unless I had dragged him along mm. but it that was quite good for him um there's a few podcasts there's one called Dad's Still Standing and um, which is again aimed at men going through baby loss um the miscarriage uh, association has some um resources aimed specifically at partners as well and then in terms of infertility I would say there is much less for Mm. um, men in terms of fertility support Mm. there was quite a good book that my husband and I read which was called the his and hers guide to IVF I think Um, and there's a section written by the women a section written by the man and we both I think read both parts of it and found that quite useful as well I think there's um the fertility network which is like a national organization they have some resources on um, 
for men as well. So there, there are some pockets out there, but it's definitely a lot, there's a lot less available for men. Can you tell us about your book? Which yes. is available now to pre-order, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. it's coming out on August the 31st. Nice. Um, so I have written a book uh, yeah. and it's a memoir. So it is kind of the um, story of me working as a midwife, people I've looked after, families that have really um, kind of imprinted on me, um, kind of interwoven with me going through IVF and my son's being born. Um, and yeah, just that kind of intersection of of working on both sides of fertility so you know being there with women who are pregnant and having babies and then obviously struggling to have my own babies as well yeah, yeah. amazing I think it's gonna be so valuable for so many women because mm. like you you know you've got such a strong community now on Instagram and it, it does feel like the conversation around fertility is changing so much, which is so wonderful that it is more open, but it still feels like the way that we talk about women culturally or, you know, like, and the way that we, the expectations that we put on women, that it is going to be the easiest thing, that we all want to do it, that we're all going to do it. Like, it's still so huge. So to have somebody, I think the fact that you are a trained midwife as well is just really valuable. For, for people to and you've had you've had your son which is such a wonderful thing in amongst so much pain and struggle that you've had so much I just think what you're doing is really important that yeah. you've, you've had your like your, your perfect little boy which is amazing yeah thank you I mean that means a lot uh, it is yeah I mean I think when you're a midwife there is so much it's such a huge role so it's not just the pregnancy it's not just the birth it's the whole thing and actually what I've learned from being an infertile midwife is actually how to look after people a lot better and how to talk to people because language that is the one thing that I've learned from my own experiences is that language is so important and yeah. and actually being able to share that you know with other midwives or other people working in women's health of actually it's not okay how we speak to people it's not okay how how this you know that the way that we reference like incompetent cervix or think you know things like that which are just yeah. so patriarchal anyway and so actually being that person that's on both sides mm. is I feel really useful can I ask the sort of thing that you have yeah. learned to when it comes to your own language just maybe that anyone listening could mm. adopt into their own lives as well so I think that people are really frightened of asking if so for example if you know that someone's had a baby that's died like People are really unsure of how to broach that. And yeah. so they just don't. They just kind of gloss over that. Mm. And actually, I don't speak for everyone, but the vast majority of people who've mm. had a baby that's died, that is still their baby. Mm. And so yeah. mostly people want to talk about their children, not with everyone, but mostly if you're kind of in, if mm. you know a person enough to be asking about their children, you probably should be including the child that they had that died. Mm. And most people want yeah. to tell you things about them. So, for example, for me, like Cecil and Wilfred, those are their names. Yeah. I They died, they were 21 weeks old. I, I have very little memories, you know, because the, mm. their life was so short, but I have their names. And so if mm. people ask me their names, that's really important yeah. because I gave them that. That's something that I chose for them. That's part of their identity. And so that is, I think, really important to ask people, like, did you name your baby? Or like, right. what, what was your baby's name? Yeah. So don't be frightened to, you know, don't be frightened to ask that question because mm. actually the name of the baby is really special to a lot of parents. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I would also like to share is that 
we should not be asking people like, are you having children? That is the, mm. the worst question you should be asking someone. And I don't mean from yeah. like a healthcare perspective. If you're a midwife, then you are asking people like how many children do you have and that yeah. sort of thing. But like in casual conversation, I think we think it's really acceptable to be like, have you got any kids? And if yeah. you're trying for a baby and that's not happening, that is so upsetting yeah. because then you have to kind of almost explain like, no, I don't or or are I doing it? They die. You know, it's it's a really yeah. hard question to answer. answer. Yeah. And it just seems so normal. But actually, for quite a lot of people, that question is really upsetting. So they're kind of the things in terms of language that I really take on board, like I would never ask. And I have definitely been guilty of asking that question before. Me too. I'm having like this really like hot flashback <laughs> to like years ago when I asked a colleague that and she was going through IVF and I just didn't know and I didn't think and I just said it and I'm like feeling very hot right now. Um, but yeah, we, I guess you just don't know. You just don't really understand uh, but it's important that people do understand because it can like it can be really impactful in a, in a not good way yeah and I've made yeah. all of these mistakes myself as well like I have absolutely asked people like oh mm. you're married now when are you gonna have a baby because yeah. yeah. that just seems like the normal question yeah. and now I cringe for every time that I've done that in the past because yeah. I know that that would have been really upsetting for potentially all of those people that I asked can I ask about doing it on Instagram because sometimes and like I mean I, I get so annoyed at the internet anyway. But some people, well, lots of people have opinions about lots of things they necessarily shouldn't necessarily have opinions on. But I have seen people project opinions about IVF where they have no place to do that. Is that something that you've come up against on the internet? A little bit. Um, I would say on the whole, the IVF community on Instagram is incredible, actually. Like most people mm. are so supportive. I actually think Instagram is one of the best platforms for social media yeah, because yeah. people tend to be really respectful. I would say that other social media platforms, <laughs> not naming any names, TikTok, yeah. is the worst <laughs> yeah. and you will just get hideously trolled on yeah. TikTok. Yeah. Have um, you tried being on TikTok? Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I mean, I got a trolled recently and this is nothing related to IVF, I got trolled by, I think it was something like 100,000 people um, because I posted a, re a little video saying that my one-year-old son, I yeah. ate the chocolate buttons out of his party bag. You got? I got hundreds of thousands of messages Why? saying that I was going to give him an eating disorder. Because you ate his chocolate buttons? I ate his chocolate buttons. Oh, for of my one-year-old child who doesn't know what chocolate is. You also um, gave him life. You, you can eat his buttons. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? It was <laughs> yeah. so... The, the anger on TikTok oh is God. unreal. So I tend to stay people away from TikTok. People just play with people like on TikTok. Yeah. They don't yeah, cool. like, they don't give yeah. a shit. No, like, it's, it, that's a really mean place. Whereas yeah. Instagram, I do feel, is amazing. I mean, there has been like a bit of, a little bit, but I would say mostly everyone's really respectful. Although okay. saying that, like some of the other people in the infertility world on um, Instagram, I know have been trolled. But me personally, I have had just a super positive experience. Most people are really respectful. And yeah, um, yeah. And yeah I... But what you just got to be really careful of is, you know, like the Daily Mail comments and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they're the sort of things where people will be trolling and saying like, well, you shouldn't have a baby. This is nature's way of telling yeah. you you're not meant to be a mum yeah, and all of that stuff. How do you cope with comments like that? I, I would say I don't get loads of those. Although you, I so think how that do may... you cope with like the rhetoric, you know, that, that sort of view of IVF? I mean, it's just really, um, it's just really ignorant mm. because... Infertility is literally a disease of your reproductive organs in some way. Mm -hmm. And so if my kidney was was not working, no one would be like, oh, you can't take those antibiotics for your UTI. It's a sign. Mm. You're supposed to get a, an infection and die. No one would say that, would they? No. But because my ovaries aren't working, people are like, oh, well, that's it. You know, you just have to carry on. You can't have a baby. 
And actually, there is so much emotion attached to your reproductive system that people feel that they can make a judgment on mm. your ability to parent based on whether my whether my ovaries worked or not. Yeah, I mean, it's so stupid, isn't it? And I bet the vast majority of people saying things like that have not do not experience infertility, do well, not I mean, suffer from no. infertility. No one would say that. No, because it's just a, a real lack of understanding. Because if we break it down, it's a biological need. It's a biological drive to want to reproduce, isn't it? Yeah. And so, but my ovaries weren't working in a way that they should have done. Yeah. yeah. And so we can fix that with medicine. Yeah. You know, medicine fixes loads of things. Like I said, you take antibiotics for things yeah. and you'll be fixed. Yeah. You know, we would, you know, if you think about like mortality rates for, for women in childbirth, you know, medicine helps us. You know, the science of medicine keeps, keeps our... Keeps, yeah, because yeah, you wouldn't say to somebody that's had a cesarean, an emergency cesarean, oh, well, that was just exactly. nature's way, you should have finished you, you off, You should have really. just died. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> See ya, you'd be doing this podcast on yeah. your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that it is oh, it's infuriating. People are just, uh, people are just annoying. And I don't think they'd say it to men. If it was, if the fertility issue were a man's issue and it was a men's, because like you say, even yeah. if it is a man, uh, the fertility affects the man, it's still the woman that has to physically go through it. But if, yeah. I, if men were going through IVF in the same physicality that women were I don't think people would say it's nature's way because like people view na- you go. yeah yeah you, you make your sperm work yeah. you go be a man like. well, that's because there's just so much uh, of women being the mother and so if yeah. you're and, and I write about this in the book a lot as well that actually if you're a woman that can't be a mother then you're almost like a second class woman like what are you if you're not a mother and I yeah. hugely felt that I was like okay so if I can't be a mother like what what am I like I literally was like okay so if I get to 43 and there's no children we're going to just leave the country because I can never face speaking to anyone that I've ever known ever again because really? I felt so ashamed yeah yeah it's, it's hugely emotional isn't it like yeah. we're conditioned to think that a woman equals mother yeah. and so if you're if you're if woman equals what if you're not a mother what are you you're just invaluable yeah. that's how I felt yeah. and that's something that women that are child free by choice make their peace with and whatever yeah. but but if it's something that you really want it's like you're confronted with that well i think that what you said there is like the nail on the head is about the choice and so yeah. if you don't aren't able to have that choice for whatever reason so you know if you've got a someone who just never meets mm. a person that they want to have a baby with that their choice to have a baby is is restricted if if you've got yeah. infer- you know there's so many reasons that women's choice is taken away from them but that is the the crux mm. of why infertility is so hard is because there is no choice it's not yeah. a choice yeah like if i chose yeah. not to have children that's my empowered decision yeah whereas i wanted to have children and it yeah. was really really hard and i guess as an aspect of then when you explain it like that then i get it of like wanting to leave the country and not face people because there's an aspect of like everyone knew that you desperately wanted this and that you've tried so hard to get it and then you don't want this sadness to be hanging over you like pity I guess a sense of pity that makes sense to me yeah totally yeah I mean I felt like everyone is always looking at you like oh look over there that's Sophie and she wanted to have a baby and she can't or she had some babies and they died and she's done all this IVF and blah 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 and you just feel really exposed yeah Um, and actually we were like fairly private about IVF to start with um and yeah, you just feel like everyone's feeling sorry for you or looking mm. at you differently, like you're not the same as everyone else. Mm. And I think it's because of this, as I mentioned earlier, like woman mm. equals mother, like that's the woman that can't be a mother. Yeah. But I've noticed this with you. People ask how your eggs are, how you, and it's like, don't fucking ask that. <laughs> yeah. Like people say to you, because they know you're doing it. Yeah. And then they think they can ask. And it's like, you wouldn't do that to somebody else. Yeah. Or you know you shouldn't do that to somebody else who would just be 
trying yeah. via other means to have a baby. I wouldn't be like, how's shagging going? <laughs> right, like, you just wouldn't yeah. do it. So. But like people ask that don't even know for sure that would because I I was super honest on Instagram. I went in very naive and said, you know, we're freezing embryos. My AMH is really low, and like we want to like future proof. And so I documented the first round. Big mistake. Didn't go down well at all. I just got so I, I got so many so much pushback from it and I was too anxious at the time to cope with that pushback so the second round I just kept off Instagram but I think I'd said at the time that we were going to do two rounds because my AMH was low and I wanted to like have enough in the freezer to to, to for peace of mind basically and when with the yeah so so I kept it off Instagram but people because I'd said about the second round so people ask me all the time do you think that's I'm because like, people <sighs> think that um that there's in the media about like freezing your eggs or freezing your embryos is associated with like privilege. Yes, there was a lot of that, a lot of privilege, a lot of, I have been through, you know, a lot of people saying, you know, I have been through such, you know, it's been so brutal what I've been through, like trying to get, a, you know, to end up with a baby in my arms and that's not even what you're doing. You're just, you know, banking some just in case. You know, there was a lot of that kind people of... People felt like you were taking it a bit lightly, I think. And right. t- taking it lightly by sharing, like, sharing, like, me doing the injection and, like, Dave helping me with the injection and I just couldn't take it. I, so I just stopped, yeah. It was a very mean I, response to what happened. And I mean, it was a shame did. because actually for a lot, for mo- most people, actually, they were like, oh, it's cool to see someone actually talking about this openly rather than doing it like privately and sharing openly that I've got low AMH and I don't have many follicles going on same as you probably it's pretty similar situation so yeah but I just couldn't take the negativity I was not I was too anxious for it so yeah kept second round private but people yeah people still ask all the time and the second round didn't go very well so I'm like well, not great. Yeah, such, such an invasive question. It is invasive. And actually, even though, even when people are open about it, like it doesn't mean that you have to share every minute detail of how it went. Like no one's going to ask your partner, like, what was your sperm count? Yeah, right. Does anyone ask him that? No, they don't. They no. ask, how many eggs did you get though? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah, but the sperm yeah. count we don't care about. Yeah. Yeah. It was very mean, I think, What with the, with, it was like you weren't being a, um, like a perfect I think that's another yeah. pressure on women to like do it stoically, do it quietly, do it, yeah, yeah, yeah. do it sadly, or do it however yeah. it was. And you did it in your way, which is more than you're right. But for some people, that jars because it's just yeah. not their way. And I guess that's kind of what I was asking. That's kind of what I meant with the response that you've had because because it's such a such a raw thing. It's so emotive, isn't it? I've didn't realise going in just how painful and triggering this triggering that's what it topic is, is for a lot, lot of people. Of people. Yeah, I mean, it's understandably. Yeah, I mean, I post on Instagram with quite a bit of a delay so in terms of where I am with treatment. Mm, yeah, um, because I yeah yeah top tip there. Yeah, uh, so I don't post it in real time anymore. But I yeah. did when I was doing the embryo banking, and the reason for that is because I was just banking the embryos. There was no no chance I was going to be pregnant at the end, um, right. and so I just felt no pressure. Like I can just yeah. share this in real time. Whereas now, I, I, yeah, I post with like a bit of a delay. So when I'm posting that I've like had a cancel cycle, yeah. it's actually probably happened like six weeks ago. Fine. Um, because I, yeah, I want a bit of privacy about it. That's the thing. Sometimes when you do open that up to everyone, it's then hard to take it back, isn't it? And yeah. so having that bit of a delay 
for me just works a lot better because yeah. then I can process it and think about how I want to kind of share it with everyone yeah. Um, and yeah so that's what works for me at the moment is to share with a delay yeah. there is something really vulnerable about the world and it doesn't not not with fertility but with everything the world knowing that you're trying something well there's yeah. that expectation like people yeah. are waiting for that good news aren't they yeah. or like if yeah. you if you go quiet everyone's like oh oh are you are you yeah, yeah, it the yeah. 12 weeks you know and yeah. I recently I said that I had something to share with everyone I got loads of messages being like are you pregnant uh, sadly no yeah, <laughs> but thanks for, yeah. thanks for rubbing that in my face that I am still not pregnant yeah. I mean that's and I guess part of my uh, like um, personality on Instagram is trying to have a baby right and so yeah. that's what everyone is always waiting for they're waiting for another baby because they want to be happy for you yeah. Yeah. but also actually when you you are living it it is so so emotive and yeah. raw. Yeah. W- was there any pushback to you having a baby and people saying, well, you've had your baby now, you know, you're not, I mean, I, I know it doesn't mean that you're not infertile anymore, but like with other people saying that, you know, you should be happy with your lot and you're, you know, you've, you've had one child, you're so lucky. There definitely is a bit of that rhetoric. Again, I say most people on Instagram are really polite, but mm. I think people really don't understand infertility the second time round. So I don't have secondary infertility. Secondary infertility is when you had your first baby without any help and then you went on to have infertility. Right. Obviously, I've just infertile again still. <laughs> and so people really don't understand that because they're like, you should be happy now. Yeah. And I am happy. We, 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 it's not a binary of like, yeah. oh, you're happy or sad. Or yeah. like, I'm not unhappy with Percy. In fact, Percy's so amazing that I want another one of him because yeah. he is so cool. And actually what what I say like normal fertile people, they just think, well, I want a family of three children. So that's what I want. Well, that's what I want too. Yeah, and so yeah. why should I not give myself the best chance of doing that? Absolutely. And also I hurt no one else by doing IVF. Yeah. I, it's, right. I just put it's myself through it. It's your money. Yeah. 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 The, there's exactly. enough appointments for everyone. That's why yes. I'm asking about your <laughs> yes. thing when it's just yeah. like, well, you, you're doing egg collection and I've done this. It's like, okay. Okay. we can all do we can yeah, all do yeah. one like, there's okay. enough for everyone yeah. and, that's, and that's yes there is a bit of a, um, an understanding and actually when before I had had Percy so when I had no living children at home I would be angry at people who had another ba- who had a baby and right. then were like moaning about doing IVF because I I try not to moan about doing IVF because I feel hugely privileged that I can do IVF and it is my choice and I want to do it. So I try not to moan about it, although there are bits that are annoying and you can moan, it's okay to moan. But I think that, yeah, even I misunderstood that before I'd had Percy because I was like, well, you have your baby now, like you should be happy. And actually what I now know is that yeah, well, you can be happy and still want another child yeah. and, you know, what you wanted for your family, you can still want that. Yeah. You, you, it's okay to want your family of three children if that's what you wanted like no one else has to think oh well you know maybe I don't have enough eggs like if, yeah. if you choose to have three children and you're able to do that then good for you like why yeah. shouldn't I be why shouldn't I have that as well yeah. and so yeah it is massively misunderstood and actually a lot of people who are like in the infertility world feel kind of really not they kind of feel a bit displaced once you've got a child because you don't quite fit in with the people that don't have a child. Obviously, you have yeah. this huge joy from your child. Like, yeah. before I had Percy, I just was so sad. And now I have Percy. Yeah. There is that huge amount of joy. And actually, IVF is less miserable when you've got something so lovely to give you a cuddle at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that infertility a second time around is massively misunderstood. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And it's yeah. just, it's just, yeah, I, I actually hadn't, I, I guess I thought about it the same to an extent, you're like, well, you've you you you've got it. 
but then it's like but you haven't you've got a part of it and that's amazing yeah. but that's not the end of your dream and it shouldn't have to be I, that's no. what I don't understand is it just feels again very misogynistic it just feels like we're just telling women be happy with your lot stop trying it's embarrassing sit down stop making a fuss just be be happy and it's like why why should you it's your life it's your like dream you should live your dream and we've got fingers crossed for you, you know, wishing you the Everything absolute crossed. best going forward. And thank you so much for coming and sharing what I imagine, you know, is, is something that's very difficult to talk about. Um, but thank you so much. Where can people find you on Instagram, please? So you can find me on Instagram and sometimes on TikTok as The <laughs> Infertile Midwife. Um, and you can pre-order my book um, on Amazon yes. and it comes out on the 31st of August. And we are going to put a link to the book uh, for the pre-order in the show notes. And we thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I really love chatting to you both. Thanks. Thank you. Should I Delete That is part of the ACAST Creator Network. 